Young hearts run free. Young hearts run free. Young hearts run free. Young hearts run free. Welcome to season seven, episode twelve of the Young Hearts Run Free podcast. We've been away for a couple of weeks, doing other things. So I'm John Cassidy. He's Stephen Watt. How are you doing, Stevie boy? I am tickety-boo, John, this week. Absolutely tickety-boo. How's yourself? I'm good. Our last episode, Young Hearts Run Free, was about me being coached by my coach, Fiona. Yep. And I want to say thank you very much to everybody who's been in touch. I wasn't quite expecting that. It was a wee bit... I, I did listen back to it on my holidays. It's a bit weird but it's really good and I want yeah thank you everybody that's commented and been in touch to say that they enjoyed it and it's given them some food for thought with regards to coaching as well and I must give a big thank you as well to coach Fiona who was who was on the episode and continues to be absolutely brilliant she is she's magnificent she is she is um, um, but in the interim Sorry, as we jump in the interim, access all areas landed this week. We did. We've we've been away for two weeks. We've actually only missed one episode because we had one in the can. So we've only missed one episode. And this week we've got two episodes out because we've got the second episode of Access All Areas, our exciting collaboration with Lakeland 5000. Yeah. And yes. that was great because we got to speak to Nikki Nappet and Marvin Walsh of the, well, all the checkpoints on that particular, those routes are, are infamous, iconic, but their one is chapel style. And it was great to get a wee bit of under the skin insight into what goes on. Right. I think we, we both learned loads. And I think, you know what, I certainly look at it with different eyes. Because I'm not doing it this year, the Lakeland 50. <laughs> it's a bit, it's a bit, I'm a bit more relaxed about it. But Morvin's been a pal for a long time and we've made a new pal now in Nikki. She was absolutely fantastic as well. But it is a great listening. If you're doing the lakes at all, or if you're no, it's just good to understand what goes on in the background with um, the whole Lakeland. God, you can't even just call it an event because it's bigger than that, you know, the, what's involved in the good work that they do. So um, we'd urge you all to go and listen to that. Or if you want to, go and watch it on the old YouTube. It's video content there too. It is. It's on the Access All Areas YouTube channel. <laughs> Stick that into your YouTube search bar, Access All Areas. If there's nothing on the telly, just cast it to your telly. Watch it on the telly. Well, your family. It's brilliant. Good <laughs> family viewing. Yes. Right, let's, let's crack on that because we've got quite a lot to speak about, eh? We have. Because we've had a wee hiatus, we've got a wee bit of pre-guest chat to cover and we want to start in the land of the rising sun, don't we, John? Because most previous, definitely. a previous guest has um, taken that long journey around our side of the world to take part in last weekend's Tokyo Marathon. Yeah, and in quite spectacular fashion, the Bilingri Bolt has completed his six stars, his majors. He's done the whole shebang 
as we say. The hail shooting match. The hail shooting match. So massive, massive well done to John Beveridge, who went, he did a sub three, didn't he? Over there in Tokyo. 252. That's not just sub three, that's mega sub three. Absolutely. Is all his six stars he's now been sub three. So that mm. is a achievement. I'm sure at one point in when he spoke to us on the podcast, he, he could have only dreamt about. So he's living the day. Yeah. Aye. John and I, sorry, John knows Stephen and I from work and from Perth and we've known him a, a good few years and we know how much effort John's put in to achieve what he's achieved. So massive kudos, man. There isn't a kudos in Strava big enough that I can give John for doing that well done also big shout out to his wife lynn who's supported them every step of the way well done definitely and anybody else who had the fortune of being over in japan for that particular event and whether it was to grab another star for your six or indeed get the the, the big dinner plate sized six star finisher medal that you see folk struggling to fit into their hand luggage on the way home because they've not taken a big enough bag because they've wanted to avoid <laughs> the, the cost of putting a, a, a bag in the undercarriage <laughs> the plane. So I'll be um, fine. I'll have a carry-on. And then uh, you get this medal. It's about the on size. But, oh, man. Why do you wear it as a tiara? <laughs> I love the way you manufactured the word undercarriage into this week's episode. Well done. Oh, it'll maybe not be the last mention. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, ah, it's it's whets the appetite because I do have a trip out east on the the life to do list. Most definitely, and you know what? It sort of signals to the start of although we're well into running season, but the marathons are now happening because London's coming up, Manchester's coming up. It's where the ball's rolling. However, the ball's also been rolling on the track. It is. We're, we're globetrotting here. Oh, oh the shop. We're, Friend we're... of the show, previous guest, Eilish McCogan, went out and leathered the British 10k record that I stood for. I think it was over 20 years, Paula Radcliffe had set. So, well done, Eilish. Um, we're just going to mention you in every episode so we can tag you in because that's, that's how we roll. You know. Yeah, 30 minutes dead. In fact, just a whisker over 30 minutes. i seen she was saying if she'd had her 100 metre sprint dip perfected, she she maybe, if she knew she was so close to it, she would have just um, did the, the lean. So that was awesome. Yeah, brilliant. And fellow Scott, Laura Muir. The campaign is now fully underway to get Laura. Future guest. Future guest, Laura Muir. He just also, doesn't know it. <laughs> But the romancing has started, Laura. So you'll notice us on your socials. That's coming at you. Um, John's yeah. leading the charge. <laughs> Laura scored, I think it was her seventh major medal. Um, quite a phenomenal performance. She had a great career. So well done to Laura as well. And also, let's go back to the previous guest thing. Nikki Johnson in the time we've been away, we tweeted about it last week and put it on our uh, Instagram as well. Nikki set a new Scottish 50k. I think, I'm not sure if he, if he knew or intended to do it that day, but he'd done it anyway. He just had the, one of the best days out running. Um, great shift for him. And also, friend of the show, previous guest, Robbie Britton, smashed the UK 24-hour record as well. So well done to Robbie. 
as well. A, I, I mean, 2023 already has dream been full of PRs, PBs, achievements. Do you know, it's, it, um, it bodes well for what the rest of the year has got in store. Um, mm. But I, Robbie, Lutheran, the 24 hours um, in mm. Italy. Yes, Torino. Torino. So we've been yeah. a, we've been a Tokyo. We've been a California for Elish's track. We've been a Germany for Nicky Johnston's fifty k national record. Been and, Torino. Where are we going and, next, John? Well, you mentioned to me we're going to the North Inch because you mentioned to me, Stephen, about another fellow that had done a great thing as well, and he was on the North Inch at the Gathering of Awesomeness. Ollie, wasn't he? Ollie Garrod, forty mile. World record, yeah, down in Barry last weekend, and you look at his times and the splits. You think, you just think, how how is that even possible? Um, all he runs with team seven hour hour seven, yeah, got that yeah. right. Um, Sixty seven. Oh no, under the tutelage of the likes of Robbie Britton, um, yeah, and do you know a stable mate, uh, our pal Joe, yeah, as well, yeah, um. So I, I saw happening, saw happening. Anyway, that was doing in Wales, and just near to, the North Bench. And yes, and just to finish up that sort of, we could call this a prize given. Actually, we had some representatives, friends of the show, at the Backyard Ultra. Ultra Where was that place? Oh, it was doing south somewhere, man. I can't remember the name. It's something David Hasselback. Hasselback. Was it Russellback? You're getting you all had, confused. You had potatoes in your mind because it sounded quite like those nice potatoes that you do in the oven, but it wasn't. It's just that you were led by your food thoughts, as is often the case. <laughs> um, but it wasn't. It was Ross Beveridge, Carl Nicholl, and Vic Owens, a happy runner, were down. Oh, I don't know how you would. You, they weren't blutering it because that's not the name of the game in a backyard ultra. Um, no, but there was good. good Race management, I think, prevailed, didn't it? Exquisite race management. They all were still there at the the bitter end of, you know, the 30 hours plus for them all. 30 yards. Well, I'd had two sleeps in that time. (laughs) They're still out there doing it. So, absolutely fantastic. So, well done. Well done to them. I think that wraps up our review, our running review. So, but we've got loads more to speak about. We've got competitions, Stevie Boy. Competitions times two, live yeah. and coming at you. Um, competitions have become a bit of a theme in 2023 as well for the um, podcast. And yeah, first up, we have a place in the 20 along the 4th. You might remember um, Katrina Bruce, recent guest of Blast Running. Um, she had been in touch to offer up a spot in that race on the 26th, Sunday the 26th March. So you're talking in a couple of weeks' time. But it's just perfectly placed if you're doing one of these spring marathons, whether it be Manchester, London, Boston, yeah, whatever else is kicking around about then. Um, 20 miles, fast, flat, runnable. Well, that always makes you sick, eh? <laughs> 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 you say fast and flat, but it starts at Cramond and goes over the Fourth Road Bridge, right? Or Queen's Ferry, South Queen's Ferry. That's under the bridge. So, I'm, as you know, I'm having a go at this. I'm going to go along. 
Um, So I'm looking forward to it and I will see the person that wins this prize. So it's already, it's on our socials right now. So so whether you're on the race and you get a selfie opportunity with John. That's it. Stickers in the pocket. They're always there. So all you've got to do is like it on Instagram and add a comment or like it on Twitter and add a comment. And Stevie Boy and I will get the big wheel of fortune out and we'll make the draw on the 17th of March and we'll let you ken who's the winner. You've got a week. Perfect. And then a second competition. Now, this is a major, Ian. This is... No, no no saying that, that 20 along the 4th is the major. They're both major. Rewind there. But this is a biggie. This is a wee bit more warning required of the... Um, date of the event because it's happening on the 6th of May up in Aberdeenshire yes it is the Fermartin and Buchan 12 hour ultra ultra marathon prize two times places have been offered up by the event organisers mega generous thank you guys and you know it's a, it's a newish event in terms of how long it's been go, going but already it's proven really popular and I can see why yeah and I've never this, been tempted myself and well prizes money can't buy and this is uh this is relatively flat isn't it because it's on an, an old unused railway line isn't it but that's a, flat. zero <laughs> foot climbing that's their assumption but it's a 12 hour, 12 hour ultra marathon between two points the two points are 4.3 miles apart so you pretty much go up and down that 4.3 miles as many times as you can in 12 hours. That's the challenge. Um, starts at 7 o'clock in the morning. It runs till 7 o'clock in the evening. It's on the 6th of May. So we will be putting posts up on our socials as well about how to enter that too. So uh, as Stephen says, this one might need a wee bit more thought and a wee bit more preparation. If your game, well, spaces are limited to 80 entries. So that means 78 because we've bagged two of them. And it's fast and flat. <laughs> a 12-hour stint on your feet is, is ever going to be fast and flat. But yeah, it's 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 flat. That's a few times, few times you're saying flat. It's maybe be fast. Um, how far could you go in 12 hours? John, what would be your prediction? I would probably, 12 hours, I'd be aiming for between 50 and 60 miles. I'd That's go probably. for the upper limit of that for you, John. Yeah, yeah, probably. 50 miles, aye. So, Definitely. And how many pot noodles would you eat? Six. Six. Six, aye. Six. Well, I'd probably take eight, but I'd definitely eat six. There we go. There's a hundred foot of climb each direction. So 4.3 miles with a hundred foot of climb in it. It's flat. Hee-haw. That's flat. That's flat. Now, we'll move on to this week's, this week's guests. Well. Guests, plural. And I'm going to hand over to Stephen here because Stephen flew literally... Solo, he went to Boston last year, and that's where he bumped into these two dudes that we're going to be speaking with tonight. But it's an it, Stephen took the opportunity to have a catch up with these two guys. I'm no involved in it at all. However, I have had a wee listen back. 
And what I'm going to say to you is, when we get to the dialect dictionary bit, some of the language gets a wee bit fruity. So beware if you're listening in and you've got people around about you that um, that's going to be coming. That's your only warning you're going to get. So I'm going to hand over to Stephen now to introduce this week's guests. Yeah, it's, it was an absolute thrill to catch up with these guys. It was in Boston last year that I first spoke to them and it was a pretty strange one in terms of how we met. We were just sitting next to a couple of um, guys who would, obviously everybody was wearing their medals um, so it was obvious that they'd completed the Boston Marathon. Um, I was there with my brother um, and we just got chatting to them and you could tell right away how um, friendly and warm they were and, and, and up for a bit of chat with a couple of Scottish guys. Um, but what turned into just a wee nice chat soon took another turn when we heard their story. So Phil Shin and Mark Murphy aka Murph um, are the guests who are going to be joining us. Phil required a liver transplant um, due to liver cancer and he was very, um, how would I say, Mark and Phil were friends before so transpired that Mark was the perfect match for Phil and Mark then donated part of his liver to Phil to facilitate the transplant which had happened in 2019 and in 2022 at Boston Marathon they celebrated the success of that transplant and indeed Phil's recovery from cancer second time round um, by completing the Boston Marathon and yeah, I've got hairs in the back of my neck standing up just speaking about that, John. Um, and that was the story that they regaled to my brother and I the night of the Boston Marathon last year. And I thought I need to keep in touch with these guys. One, they were just a pair of cracking dudes. And two, their story really, really captured my the, the, everything. And the, the humbleness, the selfless act that went on, the fact that running played such a huge part in it which you'll hear about in our really really do you know it's a serious chat of course the, there's a lot of dark places that Phil especially ha- had been in but the way that they are retrospectively speak about it and how the experience was for both of them is just yeah it gives you a, a bit of humbling experience and listening it to it all um, it, there's certainly a wow factor in there and the happy ending as well of crossing the finish line at Boston um, and I just feel really fortunate to have sat next to them in pub that particular night to to be able to get to meet them and in a small world sort of way it transpires that Phil has a mutual friend of mine Stuart McNeish who was over in Malaga in December had realised that I knew Phil by looking at my Strava um, and saying how are you friends with Phil how do you know him and I was I met him in Boston he's like you're joking I I know him as well I met him doing London Marathon that he was doing for charity and they were in the same team and they've remained friends from then so it's just the whole it's the people you meet along the way that make this world such a special place in the running community and everything that goes with it is all covered all the boxes are ticked here John I absolutely loved catching up with Phil and Murph and I think you're really really going to enjoy their story and the way that they tell it brilliant so 
coming up for your listening and running pleasure is an hour and a half with Stephen, Phil and Murph. Enjoy. Big welcome to Young Hearts Run Free podcast. Phil and Mark, how are we doing today? Good. Good to be here. Brilliant. Thanks, Steve. No worries. Great to see you. We've been um, yeah. we've been chasing you guys for some time. In fact, almost a year. Um, we'll we'll get to that. Um, so it's it's great to have a couple of transatlantic guests on. Try to think if it's a first. It isn't a first actually. Sorry to let you down there. <laughs> we, we did have a couple of Barclay Marathon sort of specials and, and one of them um, resulted in our first transatlantic guest. But anyway, it's our first duo transatlantic guest. Okay, guests. So thank you very much for making time in your days to join us, um, despite the, um, the the time difference and, and, and whatnot. So it's great to see you. We've already spoken about a wee bit there to give you a wee bit of an introduction. But first up in the Young Hearts Run Free podcast, we like to find out a wee bit more about our guests and kind of why you run, what got you into running, what was the, the draw. Um, Mark, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, uh, what got me into running is, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like an imposter in these things because I'm not as, uh, I haven't been running as long. But, you know, it's, I feel like I've been running, you know, since college you know, in, in spurts all of my all my life. Just running here and there. Now I did grow up in the Midwest, where the weather is just horrible. And if it's not horrible, you still don't want to run outside because <laughs> it's there's just nothing to look at. So a lot of it was just working out in a treadmill and going miles on that. It was boring, but it was just like that's what you did. And then in college, it's just for you know cardio. But it wasn't until I think even it's, it's actually focusing on you know enjoying running. It was about, you know, five, six years ago that uh, Phil and myself and uh, our mutual friend, Eric, we actually, you know, Phil got us to actually say, hey, let's run a half marathon together in Chicago. And that was really what got uh, uh, me into back into it after a little high, long, nice hiatus back into running, running outside and actually, you know, running for the enjoyment of it. So that's sort of structure, structure. Now, see, just for our regular guests, the Midwest, what is that? Where, where is the Midwest? That's going to be putting, you know, Ohio, Pittsburgh, yeah. that area of the country. Okay. What we call the Rust Belt, uh, where, you know, it's a lot of the steel workers were, you know, were from. Oh, yeah. Okay. So cold winters. Exactly. Horrible winters, horrible summers. You know, it's like <laughs> you can't win. You just can't win there. So never a happy medium. Never. You get two weeks of maybe good weather. Everything else is just. <laughs> as far as for running goes, yeah, would not is just not suitable for anything. And I should just say, Stephen, that there's a reason why Mark and our mutual friend Eric no longer live in Ohio. <laughs> they both ended up right. moving out to the West Coast, and you now Eric's situated elsewhere in the country. But yeah, I think as soon as they were adults they took the opportunity to get the hell out of there right <laughs> I, uh, yeah it's the smart ones do i like to say the smart ones do so where and uh, just for where are you located now mark i'm in portland oregon now ah yeah well known for a few things um mm -hmm. those orange boxes behind me being one that i, was, I assume that was a nike box yep. yeah yeah um and phil where are you in the world uh, I am currently in uh, Los Angeles. 
Perfect. Okay. And that half marathon, first stab. Was that a first stab at a half marathon? That was my, uh, yeah, mine and Eric's first stab at a half marathon. What was it that day, Phil? 90 degrees? It was unseasonably hot. And this is where, you know, Mark, it was, should have been part of the two weeks where the weather should have been perfect. But no, we, they just happened to drop what they call like an Indian summer, right? In the middle of nowhere. Because I think it was like an October half marathon, right, Mark? Yeah. So it, it was yeah. And it, it was literally in the 90s. And uh, my, our bit, uh, to me, the big accomplishment was when we finished, we did, we, we crossed that finish line, there were people on stretchers. There were just people being hauled out of there. And to be able just to be able to cross it on my own two feet, I was like, yeah, that was, that, that's a win. That's what we're doing. Whoa. I needed nothing else. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really nice of you to just like stand over the guy and say, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually yes. pull him away. Say, Mark, Mark, come on. Let's give the paramedics some room here. Okay. So I'm okay. heading to Chicago in October this year. So I really hope that Chicago this year isn't 90 degrees. Okay. So it's had that unseasonably warm year once in a century. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, and Chicago is in the Midwest. So again, you never know. You never know. You're going to either have, yeah, could be, a shit, could be a shit show. It will One be a shit show. It will. You just, don't know, <laughs> you just don't know which degree it's going to be. Is it going to be hot? Is it going to be freezing? But it will be a shit show. Okay. Anyway, less about Chicago in October and more about your running journeys. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Phil, what about yourself? What was your running story yeah it's not too dissimilar from mark who i'll probably refer to as murph because that's what we call him um okay but yeah so uh my journey it was just um fairly random um i wasn't a runner i i I played ball sports when i grew up i didn't really get into running until well into my 30s and one year I was uh, turning uh, 30 and I wanted to do something rather significant, you know, and meaningful. Um, <clears throat> so I decided to run a marathon, but I'd never r- actually run any type of race before that. So I never put a bib on my shirt. I had no idea, you know, what, you know, running a race meant. So um, there was a uh, the LA Marathon coming into town. Uh, and I decided to sign up for it four days before the marathon. Never trained for it. Just thought I'd be okay. You went right to marathon. I went straight to marathon because I wanted to run a marathon before I turned four days. In four days, yeah. And yeah, so that was my introduction to it, and it was a very, very harsh introduction to it. I (laughs) I ended up running it, and uh, again, kind of speaking about weather. in Los Angeles, you don't really hear about the rain. You hear a lot about the rain, you know, where Mark lives up in Portland, but down here, it's very rare for us to get any type of rain. But that particular day, and just on that particular day, we got three inches of rain and on on marathon, on, on the day of the marathon. And I had no idea what I was doing. So I didn't, you know, wear a pouch or anything. I, and back then you, they wouldn't give you like, you know, a technical shirt, you know, you know, for your race. They just gave us a straight cotton shirt. <laughs> so, and I thought you were supposed to run in it. So I put on this cotton shirt. Mm-hmm. It's just like the standard Hanes heavy tee t-shirts and it was white. 
And by the time I finished it, it was no longer white. It was more pink because of, you know, the chafing thing. That was also new to me. And I kind of joked that, you know, when they, and you guys both know this, is like, as you're preparing for that marathon, you should never introduce anything new, right? As you're getting ready. But everything on the day was new to me. So I'd never, because I'd never trained a step, you know, for that race. So. But I finished it in six hours. You only did for four days in advance. I mean, yeah, and I didn't train for those four days. For those four days, I just had to figure out, okay, what am I going to (laughs) wear? Who's going to drop me off at the race? Who's going to pick me up? I thought it was just that. I didn't. I thought the running part would be the easiest part, but you know, when you don't train for it, it turns out to be you know not as easy. So, so I did that, but then you you know, yeah. I finished and I finished in six hours. And I think, you know, if you think about it, right, if you've never done, you know, a step of training, finishing a marathon in six hours is actually pretty good. So, yeah. 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 So, right. I think that was like close to our finishing time for that half marathon that Mark and I ran for the first time, right? So, <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Anyway, so yeah, so I finished I, that. I and, still finished over those deadbeat yeah <laughs> right and they're vapor flies right okay so yeah, you're well so from my experience <laughs> i learned not to do it again because i had no i had no interest at all to run another marathon but i actually got reintroduced to running a few years later when i was actually working in london i used to work for nestle's and um in the office we and you're probably familiar with this even you know the group i happen to work with would get together for a lunchtime run. So yep. we would go down to the to the gym and we'd change into our running clothes and we'd go out for just a simple three mile jog and I loved it. So it wasn't long until I actually made running like part of my routine. Yep. And um, when we came back to the US, you know, uh, three years later, that's when I really kind of got into running and I rebuilt myself back up to uh, running a marathon or training for a marathon properly. Yeah, so the running bug by now had kind of taken hold. Yeah, exactly. And then was that a regular, what, a marathon a year, or did you did you start throwing yourself into other distances? Um, not yeah, more or less. I think my first goal was to get back to a place where I could enjoy running, which I did while I was working in the UK. But then I saw that that LA marathon was coming back. And I wanted to see how much faster I could run it with proper training. And I ended up running it in just about five hours. So to shave an hour off that time. And most importantly, I actually enjoyed the experience. So I remember crossing the finish line with my arms up and feeling really good about myself. So that's when that bug really hit, right? So then then I started running races uh, a little bit more regularly. I'd sign up for half marathons, 10Ks, you know, distances like that. And then I would say another couple of years after that, I started running more than a marathon a year. So, yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Mark, marathons. Are we going yeah. to get to that? What was your first? Boston. Last yeah. year. We're met. Let's, let's leave that for the next, well, one of the next questions. Okay. Because I, I do actually recall having that discussion with you in that particular pub. Um, it's all flooding back to me, so to speak. Yeah. Um, okay, favorite place to run, Phil. What's your favorite place to run? Oh, great question. Um, I know you had prepped us for this question. I'd been thinking quite a bit about it, and 
my favorite place to run honestly is the trails that we have locally here uh recently over the past really since the start of COVID, i've really been getting into trail running so here in southern california we have this amazing network of trails that i've really just kind of embraced and claimed as my own so uh, we have uh nice beautiful mountain runs towards a spot called inspiration point <clears throat> that i run quite regularly and then uh, there's another trail here called the gabrielino trail uh it's uh by um uh jpl which is one of the uh companies that works with nasa on you know launching uh rockets and satellites so um there's there's a trail there and actually had the opportunity to take murph there uh like last year so um and i think murph will tell you what how you know how he gorgeous that trail was he tried to kill me almost killed him oh yeah he almost uh, yeah we yeah. almost lost his foot in the process but <laughs> i think he'll tell you though it, it was actually quite beautiful and i that that's definitely like one of my favorite areas and to run. And they're on your doorstep, these trails, right? Exactly. It's less yeah. than 15 minutes from my house. So, um, yeah, so that that's definitely, uh, you know, probably my favorite area in the world to, to run. But of course, it, these destination races are fantastic. I just did yeah. 100K in Arizona, which is brilliant. And then got some other fun destination races uh, up ahead. Awesome. Mark. Yes. Favorite place to yeah, run. It's very similar to Phil's. Uh, you know, in here in Portland, we have a, a place called, called Forest Park. You know, it pretty much surrounds our city. And there we've got several trails. We've got the Leif Erickson Trail. We've got, uh, uh, not Timberline. What was it called? Wildwood. The Wildwood Trail is pretty famous. Uh, and it's just, you know, gorgeous. And again, it's just right. It's actually, you know, it's right there in the city you just you know as soon as you step out of the city you're in forest park and you can just hit those trails and go for a nice run but if i'm with my uh, running group we just love running around you know the portland the river we have a the, the the willamette river runs through portland and we've got like 12 bridges you know it's so it's like just it's just amazing just to run around the city around that uh the what we call the esplanade just to see the the river Wafting the marijuana smoke, people smoking. <laughs> do you do reps past that? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have similar issues um, locally here. Um, I don't know if they're issues actually. I welcome it. Some, yeah, it's a little bonus. Yeah, dependent at what at what stage. Of course, in Portland as well. Is it? Have Nike not got a track? They are running track in the forest someplace i can picture it in my head it's like no, it's the nike track the michael johnson track that's what he's on that yeah michael johnston track okay. i was just there this morning really yeah i was nice. just running but is that some people's um you know dream to run there is it yes definitely yeah. is yeah for These me, it's, just it's just wednesday for me exactly yeah <laughs> I run, like round, <laughs> I run round the inch in Perth, the north inch in Perth, which is um, also very tranquil and, and, and nice place to run, and I'm sure it would be up there. Um, oh, yeah. I'm now mapping it, of course, and there's a Nike jogging trail, and it's the world headquarters. Okay. All making mm. sense now. Um, yeah, all these places sound so exotic when you come from Scotland. 
and yet we've also got tremendous trails on our doorstep that you maybe just underappreciate. Exactly. Oh no, I I follow um I follow uh you and I follow Stuart obviously and I follow another uh -huh. um Welsh friend of mine, uh, Steph, who I met at the London Marathon and. I look at some of the uh, trail runs that they do. That's nothing compared to what we have. I mean, I mean I'm yeah. sorry, what we have is nothing compared to what you guys get to see. Yeah. I mean, just where uh, obviously up in the highlands, just those views just look amazing. And I it's definitely on my, you know, to-do list to yeah. you know, Well, you know that Midwest weather. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So kind of similar. <laughs> It's, it's, as Phil's talking about these trails in Scotland, I'm just having flashbacks of uh, the scenes out of train spotting. <laughs> <laughs> I know the exact same. Yeah, Ewan McGregor. Remember. Ewan McGregor. Just yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scott. Yeah. Well, some of those trails, you definitely want to like climb into a toilet, for sure. So. <laughs> oh, okay, right. I want to move us on to, well, yeah. Boston and... We've already alluded to that being Mark's first attempt at 26.2 miles, as we call it, 42.1 kilometres, other people call it, especially in continental Europe. Um, but that was where I post-race ran into you guys. But I want to know a bit about the, 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 the pre, how did you end up being on the start line of the 2022 Boston Marathon? Take us away with the story. Good, Phil. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So I guess the best way to frame this is to talk about, you know, my relationship to Mark and his relationship to me. And it's through a mutual friend of ours. It's a mutual best friend. His name is Eric. Um, Eric and Mark grew up together since they were children all the way through high school. And um, after Eric graduated from college, he moved out to Los Angeles where I was. And we both ended up working for the same company. And, you know, Eric and I got on very quickly and we ended up uh, uh, finding an apartment and becoming roommates. So one year, I think this was back in late 1995, I think it was like New Year's Eve of 1996, Mark had come out to visit us because it's much more fun to come out here at the end of December than it is for us to go out to Ohio. At the end I wish of you could put that picture up. I wish you could put that picture up. Yeah, we'll have to share it with you. I think we will. Oh, so, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, send, we'll send it to you, Stephen. Yeah, so there's a fantastic picture. Exactly. Yeah, so it was, yeah, exactly. It was, uh, so it was, it was me, Mark, and Eric, and, you know, we're in our mid-20s, and this is all the social media you'll have is just this one picture. That's the only evidence you have of what nonsense we got into that evening, but there was a, a lot of nonsense, and, um, but it was fantastic, and the three of us from that point, we just kind of, like, formed this bond, uh, but obviously, Mark had to go back you know, to, I think, Mark, you were married at the time, right? So you had I was to go married back in Cleveland, still in Cleveland, just gotten back from really, uh, lived in London, and we we're in, no, actually, I was in San Francisco at that time. Oh, okay. That's no, right. I think, okay, all right. So, yeah, so we, we all went back to our lives, and then uh, Eric ended up getting married, I ended up getting married, and, you know, we didn't stay in touch as much, but with but the advent of the, oh, go ahead. This was before, you know, cell phones and stuff like that, so... If you're going to get a hold of somebody, it was literally call someone up and spend a lot of money on long distance calls or actually write an actual letter. So, you know, yeah. texting didn't exist at that time. Right. Good. And honestly, it wasn't until 
Yeah, it's so funny you brought that Chicago half marathon because it wasn't until that Chicago half marathon that we actually reunited. It it had been, I want to say, close to 20 years since we'd actually been physically, you know, next to each other. Mm-hmm. So it yeah, so for a few years we had just communicated through text messages. That was it. And an occasional phone call. So so yeah, yeah. So that that's how our friendship initiated and you know kind of like stayed until one day I got diagnosed with liver cancer. So I was diagnosed with liver cancer, um, had a surgery to remove the cancer from my liver, but it ended up coming back uh, six months later. And that's when I was told that I would need a liver transplant. So we had to make we had to reach out to our network of friends, family, and you know, coworkers to see if anybody would be interested in donating a portion of their liver to replace my cancerous liver. And uh, I would, most people don't know that you can donate a portion of your liver. Many people, when you think organ donation, you think, okay, I can, do, I can donate a kidney. I could donate, yeah. you know, blood. I can donate bone marrow, but the liver, everybody just knows that you only have one liver, you know, they need it for themselves. So the thought is, okay, well, uh, you'll just have to wait until someone Someone's passes away yeah. and you can uh, receive their liver. But that wasn't a real option for me because I was actually still quite healthy. And to to receive a liver from a deceased donor, you would have to be quite sick, uh, practically near death. So I had actually just finished running a marathon and qualified for Boston <laughs> after I had that first surgery. So that, yeah, they, they just said, you're not, you're not an ideal candidate for a disease. <laughs> I still had, you know, but I still had cancer in my liver and there was high risk of it spreading elsewhere. So we had to, you know, we, we had to move quite quickly to try and find a, um, uh, a living donor. And so we, we reached out to everyone. We sent an email and um, I actually didn't even realize this Murph, but I didn't even, I don't even remember giving my sister your name or email address as part of this, unless Eric forwarded it to you or something. Probably but, she probably did it. Yeah. He probably did. Yeah. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so we, we, we put the call out and um, Mark, in that email, there's a link where you would fill out a questionnaire. It's, it's a fairly detailed questionnaire. It, I think it took like over 20 minutes to complete it. And the answer to I guess Mark, questions. yeah. So <laughs> I, I think what I'll do is I'm gonna go ahead and pause here. I'm okay, gonna let okay. Mark talk Seriously. to yeah. about receiving the email and all this that. This questionnaire, it would ask, you know, oh, your name, I know that. What's your height? I know that. What's your blood type? I don't know. <laughs> Because something I didn't remember. Because reality was, it's kind of funny. I'd always used to donate blood in high school and college and stuff like that. But I wasn't allowed to after I moved back from England for the longest time. Because I lived there during the whole mad cow thing. Didn't eat a bit of beef. Didn't eat a single slice of beef during that whole time. Doesn't matter. Boom. I'm, I was disqualified from donating blood from that point. So... But literally, I did not even know my blood type. Just like, oh, this is my, this is my birth date. This is my name. This is my height, and that's all I really knew on that form. So I was shocked, you know, when they, it's like they call me. It's like within a week or two, that I get this call from LA saying, 
uh, we'd like you to, you know, we'd like to know your blood type. And they said, we've gone ahead and we contacted this clinic up the road from you. Just go give your blood. Yeah, sure. Why not? Go up there. Just give them my blood. You know, I'm in Portland. He's in L.A. I'm just like, yeah, my mentality is, yeah, I'm going to do whatever I got to do. But surely, you know, it's like someone, they're going to grab someone closer. (laughs) Yes. One, well, shame like, on oh, you for donating your blood. I, I, you I could have just said no. Type. I don't even know my blood type. Is my blood type even going to match? Because that form said you need to be an like A or B or something like that. And so I send off my blood type, and then uh, you know a little while later they call me back again, and they're like, um, "You're it. You're our primaries." And I'm like, "What?" what? I'm like, why? <laughs> so I'm um, really Bill and I were born within two weeks of each other. Yep. We're the exact same height, and we're both what, O positive. Yep. So we we both had the the rare blood type, and so I'm their primary. And so, <laughs> okay. Which both you know, born at- which 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 is just the, the, the and that's just scratching the surface of this process. Because you've got to go through so many tests, so there, it's, it's almost like there's like, hey, don't get your hopes up. Most likely, you're not gonna, we're, we're going to disqualify you and bump you. And I was like, okay, you know, it's, I always had the 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 comfort in the back of my head knowing that I'm the primary. That means there's a secondary, a thir- was it tertiary, whatever. There's tertiary, there's some, yeah. they, they got some people lined up. I'm just the primary, so let's go, you know, let's go ahead. Uh, and, and so I, I flew down and during this time I would, you know, fly down to LA for tests, MRIs, CAT scans. And I know what happened, you know, the, the amount of blood they drew for me was nothing that Phil had to go through, but still it felt like gallons of blood being just drawn from me constantly. And, uh, but you know, it's, it's, it was a, it's really, I want to say it was a great process to go through because the, that the Keck medical center was just fantastic at making sure you knew, uh, step-by-step, um, what was expected of you and what we, I could expect from them. So I had my team, I call it the A team and then Phil had the B team and they did not talk to each other. And my doctors were just 100% focused on me and my well-being. They said if there's anything that they thought would, you know, disqualify me, that was it. They were not going to allow me to continue in that process. And that was very comforting and knowing if during this kind of a process you're going through that, you know, make sure that they they want what's best for both Phil and myself. So and then yeah, it took all and time. For sure. And I think it's important to note here, Stephen, just for your own education, is that I had no idea this was happening. So Mark was discouraged from letting me know that he was being evaluated because they didn't want to get my host hopes up, right? Oh, yeah. Because he could easily get disqualified, right? For whatever reason. So when he was talking about the A team and B team, so Mark had his own transplant team that was evaluating him and taking care of him. Meanwhile, I had my own transplant team 
taking care of me, making sure that, you know, I was taking my medication, that, you know, I was being monitored to make sure that the cancer wasn't spreading. So, so I think the construct of it, 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 it's correct and that's the way it should be, but you can imagine how frustrating it must have been for both myself and for Mark to an extent that we had no idea where either of us were in the process, right? So I had no idea that anybody was being evaluated. All I did was just send out the questionnaire to people who would consider being a donor, but my team, not only did my team, was my team not able to tell me, but they, my team had, had no idea where anybody was in like, yeah. So they wanted to kind of create that line of demarcation so that there were no conflicts of interest, right? Because if I were to know that Mark was my possible donor, they did not want me reaching out to him and maybe applying some type of pressure, pressure. to let's get, let's get on with this, let's hurry up, right? Yeah. So they didn't want to create any of conflicts of interest through that. So um, because if you do that, right, then by rushing someone into any type of decision or judgment, it's just not going to lead to a good outcome, right? Because nobody likes to be rushed into something as massive as a liver transplant, right? So, so yeah, so I, I think it's the correct way to manage it. But I think the communication definitely has its drawbacks, right? Or the lack of communication has its drawbacks, because I had no idea that anybody was being evaluated at this point. And when, when did that come into your field of vision? Was it not until afterwards or? When, not until... When it's actually a funny story there as well because i think mark was told that he was after his final set of scans he was told that okay you're you're the guy right, right? i was and, told that a couple times like hey you're all clear then they'd end up but but we still got to pass you through this like uh uh this set of doctors have to review everything and once they review everything, then we'll be done. It's like, okay, so I'll wait on that. I think it may have gone, would have gone faster if I had lived in LA, but since I didn't and I always had to keep on for two or three times flying back and forth. It yeah, took but even the then, I, I, I just, I, I think there was a gap there certainly because I had no idea where I was in the evaluation process or where anybody was in the evaluation process. So I think Mark began his evaluation like in, February, January, February of 2019. And I didn't find out who, who my donor was until August, uh, late August of 2019. So oh, well over six months later. And nobody from my team contacted me saying, we found your donor. You know, I actually got it via a text message from Mark saying, hey, I'm the donor, bitch. <laughs> but yeah, though, so that's how I, I mean, there's nobody I would have wanted that news from more than my actual donor, right? Yeah. So it, uh, yeah, so it, but at the same time, it's like also kind of frustrating because gosh, I mean, it seems like someone's been sitting on this news for a bit, right? We probably could have gotten this news earlier. Well, like a week early. I had known for a week, and but I was told that his team will let him know that a donor has been secured, and then then it'll be okay. Because I asked him, should I just go ahead and tell Phil? I was like, no, no, no. Let their his team let them know, and then you can do that. But in the meantime, the he's he's being interviewed by 
ASICs for the LA Marathon. They're, he's actually making these videos for the LA Marathon called 30 Reasons Why. Is that what was that what yeah, it was called? Yeah, I think it was like 35 Reasons. Yeah. 35 so reasons. Doing, yeah. So I was doing a documentary for the uh, LA Marathon. They were kind of like following my journey. Um, and uh, yeah, so they, they, they tracked my journey from the point where I had my first surgery for liver cancer and then now the documentary was at the point where i was just sitting around waiting <laughs> for my donor and i guess mark had seen like the latest installment where i'm still waiting meanwhile mark knows but i'm the donor i'm the donor so yeah phil would send us these links to these uh these videos uh-huh. and uh our friend eric he i he also knew that i was a match he was the only he was the only other person that knew uh, uh so and eric you know, also knew that i was still sitting around waiting so poor right, eric so, he's like just stuck yes. here going Eric's the asshole, not me. Eric's the asshole, because <laughs> Eric, no even here to defend himself. So I'm like talking to my friend, uh, talking to Eric, saying, you know, it's like, because we're, 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 you know, and again, even at, you know, who know, I, I can't imagine what Phil was going through mentally, but even physically, he was always in better shape than me and Eric, <laughs> all through this pro- process. And so, but we could still see, you know, in this video, we could see, you know, the the emotional effects that was taken on Phil. And I'm like, do I just, do I just tell him? What do I do here? Because, you know, so we got on this text message and we were texting the three of us. And I'd actually asked Phil what, it's like, so what's your team telling you? So where are you at in the process here? And and it's important to note that um, I actually, I was in a very difficult place. I mean, actually a very dark place at this point because I had no idea what was going on. Again, at this point, I still just imagine that, you know, they didn't find a match for me. I knew that there were probably people being evaluated, but I had no idea who these people were nor where they were in the evaluation. So, so it was quite a load that I was carrying emotionally and mentally, but I used our three-way text as, you know, a source of relief so I wouldn't have to think about my situation. So in this text, I mean, I think it was just almost like intentional that we never actually even talked about my diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So, so out of nowhere, Mark sends a text, just, hey, what's the latest with your liver donor situation? And I said, what, we never talked about it. It was just odd that, that Mark brought that up. And I said, well, <clears throat> I know some folks are being evaluated, but I, I, I don't know where we are in the process. And then... That's when Mark decided. I'm like, well, my my team said that your team would let you know, uh, whatever, and something yeah. like that. So it was like, and I and I responded, well, that's exactly what I said. I said, what the fuck are you talking about? And then Mark then I just, finally said, I'm the donor I'm bitch. I'm the donor bitch. And so okay, so that was the August, and and then. What the operation was then scheduled in pretty soon after, or September, yeah, September, yeah, September 2019, 11th, 11th, September the 11th, September, yeah, 2019. So, and during that time, Phil, were you, were you still active and running? Were you um, quite active, actually? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. So, um, I didn't, you know, when you, when you're living because at the you know my cancer had returned. So I knew that mm-hmm. I still had cancer, and now my only option was a liver transplant. They, you know, they weren't going to put me on chemo because they didn't think it would be effective. 
there was no medication type, you know, option to take. So they said, well, all you can do is just sit around and wait for a transplant. So, so I could have done some pretty, I had options of, you know, how to deal with it. Right. Yeah. I could have just, you know, sat around, drank and, you know, yeah. just did all of it. And, you know, I, I, yeah, exactly. And the, those could have, those could have, yeah, and those are those would have been forgivable things to do in my opinion, uh -huh. just because. Look, what else are you gonna do, right? But the only thing I really knew was running, so uh, I just decided to sign up for as many races as I could at the marathon distance, particularly. Um, and almost, I I just kind of like made it a statement that I was gonna try and outrun cancer, and. And the only way I could do that was just through my running, obviously. So I signed up for, I ended up running four marathons in those six months while I was waiting. And wow. I qualified for Boston twice in those. So you were getting faster? Had, I was getting faster somehow, yeah. Well, I, I guess it made sense because all of a sudden my, 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 my volume was just going up and up and up because all I was doing was just sitting around waiting. The last thing I wanted to do was just talk about my cancer. So the best thing I could do is just go outside and go for a very, very long run. And yeah. So, can, so Steve, yeah. it was, it was, it was also during that time when I actually found out that, okay, I'm most likely going to be this person, which interesting case right before the surgery, I actually cornered one of the doctors and said, okay, I'm the primary who is the second? Not, I didn't want to name, but you know, like how many backups did you have? And they're like, no one. We don't look for anybody, but you know, we we focus on one person at a time. So there was like, I was like, what? <laughs> You're saying there's like a list of sort of five people. Sorry. Exactly. It's like we didn't bother with anybody else. But interesting, it was during that time also that that's when I started running a lot more seriously because. Even though I knew that once the surgery occurred, the only thing I could do was afterwards was heal. And like, what's the best way for me to heal? The best way for me to heal is to be in shape before I actually go into the surgery. So right. that's when I started actually picking up and running quite a bit more. I got you know involved with a local running group, and we would just you know that's when it. So it's. And I'd actually reach out to Phil and say, hey, Phil, what should I be doing here to get in shape for? Yeah, and I, yeah, I was gobsmacked when I got that text from Mark one day. He's like, hey, I want to talk to you about running. I went, well, who's running? Because I, yeah, you know, we did that half marathon and, you know, it, it, it was great. But I, I never really thought Mark was much of a runner. But Mark was actually asking me specific <laughs> questions. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I mean, but I, mean, I was just surprised because we never talked about it, right? We never really talked about running. And then one day, Mark just asked me, I said, well, dude, you don't really run, but yeah, here, here you can try these ones. And then all of a sudden, Mark's like asking me about, you know, um, heart rate zone training, right? Remember, we got into that. Right, right. Yeah, and then I told him one day, I said, dude, why don't you get a watch? Why don't you get a Garmin with a, exactly. you know, with a heart rate monitor? And you, you can actually you know you can see your effort right so but i was just too stupid to realize that hey maybe mark's trying to get in shape so that you know he can be my donor right so um but yeah, mark, yeah it was sorry mark were you at all i know that so the, the primary reason for running was okay let's get in shape for this um 
surgery and, and, and whatnot, but were you inspired at all by Phil and what he was doing? Was that in any way fueling oh, yeah, your... Yeah, yeah definitely inspiring. Yeah, when you watch, you know, when he's... When, when you know, we're, 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 the three of us are chatting and, yeah, Phil's running these, you know, marathons. And, you know, we, at, by that time, you know, just running a half marathon. And I could literally... Every time, you know, it's like as soon as you cross that 13.1 mark, my legs would always be like, I ain't running anymore. And so in my head, I'm like, who could ever now say, oh, let's just do this again. Let's run it again and do, you know, a full marathon. So it's like uh, I was just like dumbfounded. I was in an awe inspired by anybody who could run a marathon because it's like my body was just so like felt in it around and now i know today it's not my body is my mind was just so limited just saying no you can't do anything more than a half marathon no no that's it so it's like yeah just you know between eric and i phil was just like god it's just to be able to do this so september 11th it's like these videos you sent yeah the the second you know phil always get all these people together and running through the trails with them to to, and you know going to outrun cancer and here i am just sitting here like laughing saying like, these idiots <laughs> they're running for nothing <laughs> <laughs> i must say i've seen some of phil's videos that i think you're speaking about because i did my thorough research um beforehand mm-hmm. um, and i'm assuming some of those trails they are running on are the trails you were speaking about earlier on yeah, as well phil so yeah we might we might if it's okay share, share some of those um yeah, of course. Uh, along with the podcast just so that people can um visualize where where these um they're these not trails. the trails though the trails he, he will actually take you on are so much they're gorgeous and they're they're uh, uh for LA you know for LA it's just amazing because LA can be kind of what uh overcast smoggy yeah. but as soon as you get into these trails it's just like you feel like you're in this nice cool paradise you know running through you feel like you're in Portland actually yeah, what you want the one place you don't feel like is like you're in LA is like right so but yeah you so, gotta surgery. 11th of September yeah and then and then recovery yeah everything okay everything went yeah yeah if you don't mind I'll 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 kind of speak to this a bit Um, yeah so when you have a transplant it's clearly just massive surgery for both the donor and the recipient right but traditionally um you know the donor gets out gets discharged from the hospital first right and usually that's about you know just under a week so, but for the recipient, uh, it usually takes a lot longer because they just had a whole new organ inserted in them, right? Whereas for the donor, it, they're having just a portion of it removed. So thanks to running, and I guess this is where it, it probably would connect with, you know, both of you and, you know, your listeners is that because I had run so much while waiting for that transplant, I had achieved a fitness level where the transplant actually wasn't that difficult to recover from. I remember like my transplant team, the surgeons, when they were bringing in, bringing me in for uh, the pre-op screening, they just couldn't believe that I needed a liver transplant because I was in such good shape thanks to all the running that I'd been doing, right? So- um, They probably thought I was- 
<laughs> no, not true. Oh, that makes sense. Not true. By then, you had you looked pretty damn fit when you rolled into surgery. You, you did. You did. <laughs> uh, maybe back in 2017, sure, but the, at this point, no. I it yeah it. But the point is, is that you know, thanks to running, right? Obviously, it, it helped me out. It helped me tremendously mentally and emotionally, but physically, it actually put me in prime shape to recover from this transplant quickly. And I, they said that I was like the dream patient because most people, again, when they're receiving a liver transplant, they're in quite poor health, right? And it takes them weeks, if not months, to get discharged from hospital. So Mark was discharged uh, six days after the surgery. Mark and no, I were discharged on the exact same. Was it less yeah. than that? It was less than that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Mark and I were discharged on the same day, which was just unbelievable because, again, usually it's just the the donor that gets discharged first, and then you'd have to wait like a week or so before the recipient gets discharged. I'm assuming you're in the same same hospital, the same location. Yeah, mm -hmm. for it all to be yeah. logistically possible. So yeah, you were yeah, you were conversing with each other during that sort of recuperation in hospital. A yeah, Mark, Mark would Mark would come down to visit me. I mean, yeah, I yeah. I wasn't in a position to really come up. And he wouldn't come visit me. No, he's such a selfish piece no, of. No, no, no. I, I got the liver. I'm good. You can go. You can exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who are you? Who are you? Oh, yeah. yeah. I have <laughs> Another funny thing, though, and I think Phil will attest to this, is uh, before the surgery, you know, when you're getting all this blood drawn, and they're constantly having to take your, you know, readings. Uh, these you know medical techs would come in and they would take your heart rate and they would get they they wouldn't take your heart rate they'd just slap a machine on because they would do it for them and they would get no reading it looked like we were corpses they're pretty much they, 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 the the things were saying hey you've got a dead person here because yeah. our heart rate our resting heart rate was so low that the, I, I just remember the tech yelling out the door he's got no heart rate and then <laughs> someone yelling back at her he's an athlete it's low. And that was the first time anyone's ever called me an athlete. I was just like, an athlete? That's, <laughs> that's yeah. pretty cool. So, yeah. yeah. Rest and heart rate in the 40s. Yes. Yeah. 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 When, they, when I went in for pre-op and they did like the EKG on me, uh, they, they have to run a series of tests just to make sure. And Mark had the same thing. And they actually got my resting heart rate like at 36. So wow. the technician actually like ran into the room thinking that, you know, I was about to like drop dead. Said, no, 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 I'm, I'm a runner. So, yeah, so it was. Yeah, they're not really used to seeing healthy people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the surgeon mentioned that. Yeah, as if to reiterate, Phil, uh, hearing the doctor say, you guys are both Phil and I were just the perfect patients for, so for them. Has, and being in shape helped you cope with the rigor of the surgery and the um probably the accelerated recovery from the the surgery which i'm assuming was a success yeah. um, <laughs> and and so, so what's what's the advice are you out of action for two three months in terms of running and getting going again was it a quick segue back running, into no I, I was running a month after the transplant a month Mm -hmm. And I had run my, f December was when I ran my first half marathon post 
and it was the fastest one I've ever run. I was I like you know PR'd my half marathons, and I'd run in like good. I'd run you know during that training, I'd run at least five before the operation half marathons by then, uh-huh. and so yeah. coming out and able yeah. to run PR yeah. was really exciting for me. Yeah, and then probably exciting. share with them we ran that we ran that together. What well, was that? one before that? That was that wasn't the the, the heartbreak half. This was the winter marathon I did before you had come out in February. So. Right. Yeah. So, so Stephen, five months after the transplant, uh-huh. um, I actually went up to Portland so Mark and I could run a half marathon together. So mm-hmm. he missed his liver, so I thought I'd exactly and introduce reintroduce him. So, uh, <laughs> but that was actually very special. That was whiskey, yeah. so he had to come up to Portland to get some yeah. whiskey. <laughs> the liver was missing because I could no longer drink, right? So it uh, it it definitely missed uh, Mark's liver. Uh, so, <laughs> but joking aside, it was actually it, it it was actually very very special that we were able to do that. Uh, I actually had shirts made where you know I on my shirt it said on the back you know I'm I'm running you know five months post liver transplant thanks to my donor, and then on the back of uh, Mark's shirt it said I'm the donor, bitch. So. <laughs> Yeah, so we're, we're running the race and we got stopped a number of times with people who just, you know, were inspired by what they were seeing in front of them. And, and Mark ran a spectacular race that day. I think we did it in under just under two hours. And that was a very difficult race. I think we climbed like almost a thousand feet in a half marathon, which is massive. But yeah, so it, it was it was it was a really special day. It meant a lot to be able to do that with Mark. I'm just winding the clock back a wee bit. We're in. To the springtime of 2020 around right about now COVID. right before right covid now you'd said already that you'd already qualified for boston boston didn't take place in 2020 no so i or qualified 21. for boston yeah i qualified for boston in october of 2018 right and that was good to qualify me not for the 2019 boston marathon it qualified me for the 2020 boston marathon but because of COVID, it got pushed out at first to September, but then they ultimately ended up canceling it. And they accepted my 2018 time to use for 2021. And that was the that was the fall version of the 2021 Boston Marathon. Because remember, they, they moved it out from April to, to um, I think it was November? No, October, October of 2021. So yeah, it, it took me nearly three years to finally run that fucking race (laughs) (laughs) yeah so you so you did a recce of it for mark in 2021 and then were joined by mark mark and twice okay yeah yeah sorry sorry yeah so you went in um, you were the the yeah when i ran it in 2021 yeah when i ran it in 2021 uh my my a goal for that race was to Uh re-qualify for the marathon in 2022 to which i was able to do and to be able right. to yeah i just uh yeah it just caught me for a second there but like um yeah sorry to requalify for boston two years it was literally it was exactly two years post transplant that i was able to finally run the boston marathon but not only run the boston marathon but requalify for boston yep to meet the standard and I guess this is probably what we could talk about when we finally met to now have Mark 
run the 2022 Boston Marathon with me. It yeah, it, it was just like you can't you can't make up stories like this. You really can't. So and how did that come about then? How did so so Mark, when did you make that commitment to run your first marathon? It was it's uh, I'm not sure how this happened, but I think Phil, you know, connected uh, got connected with the American Liver Foundation. Yep. And it was from them they were able to reach out to me and said, hey, or Phil, you know, via the, via Phil said, hey, you want to run the Boston Marathon? And it was like, you know, from, again, I'm still I'm I'm at a point where yeah, if you told me, hey, let's go out and run a half marathon, sure, let's do yeah. it. I was in that good of shape, but still mentally, I'm like marathon. Hell no, I can't. Do <laughs> but when Phil says you want to run the Boston Marathon, you can't say no. You just can't say no. And then I was like, okay. And then I was yeah, just like, and for us to run it together, right? So, exactly. For for the American Liver Foundation, yeah. So when I ran it in 2021, I ran it um, as I, I had a qualifying standard, but I wanted it to be meaningful, so. I ran it for the American Liver Foundation. So uh, I joined their team, their charity team, uh, and I, I did some fundraising for them. And I, I just made these amazing relationships, you know, with the foundation. And um, when they opened up entries for the 2022 marathon, I let them know, first person that needs to be on this team is Mark Murphy. Uh, we need to make that happen. So. So Mark, I think Mark, you, you could tell them like when when they interviewed you, right? Because I when you apply as a when you apply as a charity run, you know, because it's the Boston Marathon, they get way more applications than actual bids for the yeah. for the marathon. So they they actually have to interview the oh, they bet. So, they bet. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, yeah, they do. So I'll let I'll let Mark. Yeah, it was it was just such a silly thing because they're like, hey. Phil said you're in, so you're in for the most part. It's like it's, it's a, it, it was just like after that, it, it was literally pretty much they said that. Phil said you're in, so you're in. But just let's let's, let's just go through these list of questions here. I'm like, okay, whatever. More questions. <laughs> I don't remember the color. color. What's your favorite color? Exactly. What's your blood type? What's your blood type? What's your blood type? <laughs> Again? Like no, no, you're not getting it this time. <laughs> you're like uh, phew. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah. so yeah so so yeah you're dragged along to boston all of a sudden and, and running um a marathon yeah and 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 again i i i got to give kudos to my uh my guys out here we we call ourselves the fighting squirrels and as, as soon as i told them that like uh, uh as soon as i told them that i had this opportunity they're like you're running it and they they got me prepped mentally physically it was uh, it was an amazing. Uh, it was almost a year to get this thing ready, and I, uh, it was great. Got 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 ready. And then Boston itself, that was well. It's coming up to Boston Marathon Month very soon as well. So and it's always it's in the the rear view mirror now by about a year. But um, how did that live up to expectations? For me, yeah, that's it's. It's so hard to say because, you know, at the time, as soon as I started, you know, I, I kind of mentioned in the beginning, it's like I, I still felt like an imposter. I'm like, what am I doing here? It's like it's like to be the to be running Boston as your very first marathon. I was like, do I deserve did I just actually deserve to be here? But you know what? It was it was 
at, at, at a certain point, though, I just told myself, get rid of the hype everyone's talked about and run your race. And, I, you know, just run your race. And as, 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 and as it, But it's that last, as soon as you turn on to that, what's that last street, Phil? Boylston. 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 As soon as you turn on to Boylston, that's when it was just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. The rest of it, I was able to, well, as soon as I saw the Sitco sign, then it started becoming, then I started letting the hype back in saying this is okay you're running the boston because then the crowd started gathering up but yeah as soon as you hit that boylston one it's like man this is that you're at you are actually here this is a, this is crazy and it was yeah. just that's when you just like an imposter you did you did yeah you ran it in under four and a half hours for your first marathon to be the, the boston marathon to and to do it in under four and a half hours yeah. that's massive i think anybody will will share you know we'll, we'll share that sentiment i mean it i mean i know steven you had a really good day in boston but i mean imagine that being your very first boston remember i told you like my first marathon or your very first marathon i guarantee you it would have taken me much longer than six hours to finish that on four days you know notice so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, I, I share the the boylston experience with you um mark that you just described it got the Hairs standing up in the back of my neck a little bit. I just um, just just remembering that um, it was a yeah, a wee bit longer than I ever thought in my head. I thought it was maybe just it's just there. And I was like, oh no, the finish line's miles away. Well, oh, oh, miles, miles away, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was like, yeah, it was more than eight hundred meters. meters. It felt like oh, yeah, it definitely it was. Like, yeah, I, I remember looking up, seeing that. Oh my god. I, I can actually get this under that 430 mark and it, when I saw that literally you know I was cramping you know I had all you know all the pains that everyone experiences they just left they just left and the roar of the people and this just watching that sign that was like the easiest run I've ever had right then but oof, yeah. it was just, I just remember that awesome and and Phil what, what, were you running with Mark or were you uh, no, so I was a qualified runner. So I I was actually running with my training partner Jen. Uh, uh, she's a dear friend of mine, and we've run many, many, many like thousands of miles together. So we wanted to you know share this experience together since we trained yep. so hard for it together. So, uh, but I definitely made it a point you know before the start to go spend time with the American Liver Foundation team, which is which was fantastic. There's a great picture of uh, a group picture of all of us. But then uh, we got into, you know, our seated corral and Jen and I, you know, we, we were, we're basically at the same level. And uh, so we were able to start together. But I was actually dealing with some uh, mild injuries. So I had uh, Achilles tendonitis in one leg and I had uh, some bursitis developing <laughs> in my right foot. So I I just committed to staying with Jen as long as I could. Yeah. And it was all the way until we got to that first hill in Newton, which was like mile 17. And then that's when my bursitis basically blew up and I, I had to let Jen go. So, yeah. so Jen went on and she ended up having an amazing day. But, you know, I, I was just completely immersed in the experience. So now it was more like, because I, I just run Boston, you know, six months prior, right? Yep. In the uh, 2021. So now I kind of like took the opportunity to like really enjoy it, right? So, okay, look, I'm just going to jog and walk this. And, you know, I I remember like just giving high fives to everybody up and down, you know, Heartbreak Hill. 
And, you know, when I started feeling better, then I jog a little bit more. And then I never bring out my phone when I'm running a marathon. I carry it with me, but I never bring it out. But like when I got on Hereford, I, you know, that, that right turn on Hereford before you make the turn on Wilson, I brought my phone out and I really wanted to capture the experience you know, on my phone. And it's so funny because I remember everybody like yelling at me, put your phone away and run. And I was like... Fuck off, man. I'm capturing this. I'm enjoying this, right? So I'm, I'm I just ran 25 and a half miles, you know? So let me enjoy this. So, and then when I, when I, um, uh, made it down Boylston, right before I reached the finish, I turned around and really wanted to see everybody coming in the finish. And that was just magical to actually like see that. Cause I, by then I'd let go of, any finishing time goals I had. Cause you know, but at this point, knowing that Mark was a little bit behind me, I think it can't get better than this. I've already won the day. So I, I really yeah. wanted to enjoy it. In fact, funny story, Mark had mentioned the Sitco sign, right? Which is right at mile 25. <laughs> I knew where the photographer was cause I missed the photographer the year prior. So that it's that, you know, that, that uh, iconic photograph of the Sitco sign right above oh, yeah. your head, right? The triangle. So I missed it. I was like on the other side of the road. So I wanted to make sure that I got it right. So this time I made sure that when you're going down that street, Commonwealth, I was on the right side of the street this time. And I was looking for the photographer. So I'm jogging by and I noticed that right before he took my picture, he moved the camera, he angled it. So I, I felt like he missed the sicko sign. So I said, yo, we're going to take this over again. So I stopped. <laughs> I ran back and I and I had him retake it and then he gave me a thumbs up that he got it. So I'll have <laughs> I love to, that. Yeah, so I'll have to share the picture with you. And it's perfect. He absolutely nailed it. And everybody when I posted it, everybody was commenting, oh, that's just the perfect picture. I said, Well, we had to stage it a little, but yeah, we, we, we <laughs> the airbrushed it design. Little did we yeah. know, Mark, it, 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 it was about the fifth take that he managed to get. You know, he'd already went back and forth five times. Just exactly. Do you get it this time? Was, it, was, the, was there a good light that time? <laughs> <laughs> get the flying feet, you know. <laughs> awesome, I want to see that picture. Um, <laughs> and we'll have some people listening who are heading over to Boston next month. Um, and it is quite a unique, well, it's Mark's only to date marathon experience yeah, yeah. Um, but it is quite a unique one for a lot of reasons one because of just how blue reband an event it is but for anybody doing it for the first time have you got like a, a, a takeaway tip for them for boston again just run your race and, you know as soon as you hit that starting point i would say you know yeah get rid of the hype don't, you know, like, you know, everyone says, don't start out too fast. Literally, don't start out fast. Run your race like, yeah, everyone does. But it's it's like, and I, I get, don't be scared of those hills. Don't be scared of them. It's, it, they're, I, I remember when I crested it, I remember saying, that was it? I was looking, looking for the next one. Maybe it's because out here in Portland, that's all we do is run hills. But it's just like, don't be scared of the hills run your race and it's going to be fine and enjoy it. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And what about the two time Boston marathon finisher? Any tips? Um, yeah, I, I think one, especially for the first time Boston marathoners in your group, Steven, really enjoy the experience. Do not stress about it. I mean, 
I think the, all the work went into qualifying for Boston. Yeah. This is your celebration. This is your victory lap. So treat it like a victory lap. Enjoy every step of that course. But obviously, you know, you're there. Everybody's training hard for it. So exactly what Mark said, those first 16 miles, take it nice and easy, right? Because the real work starts once you get into Newton. And I have a good friend of mine, Phoebe, who is also training for Boston. And I'm just trying to guide her to the point where she can run 16 miles quite comfortably. And then once you get into Newton, start, atta start attacking the hills and get to that heartbreak. And hopefully you'll have the same feeling that Mark did where, oh, was that it? That was that was nothing, right? And then yeah. that yeah. is really when your race begins. Because once you once you once you hit the summit of heartbreak, it's pretty much flattened downhill the rest of the way. So yeah. I remember every time I come to a hill, I remember something that Phil you trained me to do. And it was like, you know, stop focusing on your legs, focus on your breathing and your shoulders. Just and yep. let that don't yeah don't worry about your legs and i would say you, know, you said attack those hills i'd be like don't attack them just you know do what your body tells you to do you know to me i'm on the any kind of hill i do it's like i just focus on my breathing and if i can get it if i can press that hill breathing you know normally not gasping then you know you can attack anything that comes after that so yeah good advice Good advice. And just quickly, post race um, was uh, well. That's when I bumped into you. I had the pleasure. My, um, I was over there traveling. My brother traveled with me, um, and we were out refueling. Shall we say it was Castle Island Brewery? I think was the yes. was the joint. And you know, f fortunately, sat on the table next to you guys, um, and and we had a great a. a, a a really great chat and an inspiring chat for me and my brother, I must say. Um, and that connection that we made then on that night is the reason that you're obviously here um, chatting to us t today. Um, but I just want to thank you for those pretzel and hot dogs that you donated. Because <laughs> the wait for pizza was quite long. It was I was like, oh, come on, I need pizza. I'd already had a few beers by then that were going straight to my head. <laughs> um, so thank you for that and also thanks for your your, your company that night um it, it was a special night for a lot of reasons and that even made it more so so um it, it was awesome and i recommend castle island brewery for anybody visiting boston this year it ticked all the boxes well one you can get in you know phil yeah, and i yeah. go to a couple other places and the line was just insanely crazy so it's yeah go out you can venture out a little farther Go here because of good food, good drink. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. South Boston. South Boston um, yep. is, the, is the place to be. Um, now, pressing ahead, we've got 2023 ahead of us for, well, a little bit behind us um, for some. Um, Mark, what's next up for you? London. I'm running London. London calling. London Calling. So it's like, uh, I, and this I'm excited about this one because I get to run with a couple of the, my running guys. They're the, the they're, fighting squirrels. The fighting squirrels. A couple of us are going, going to go over there. So I'm excited to run a marathon, you know, uh, with somebody. You know, it's it's I, I, automatically I feel like it's going to be so much easier because you're you're it's like we're not you know, not I've never trained alone, but like you're training with these guys and it's like we're going to be able to run it together. It's going to be. 
I'm going to get a chance to just enjoy the run. I know it's just going to be fantastic. Are you guys really going to run point to point together or you're just going to start together and everybody run their own race? Well, I think we're going to run point to point. It's a, it's, um, you know, the guys, you know, the guys I'm running with, uh, it's kind of funny. One of them, Mikey, you know, he, he's, he's got his own stories about the Boston marathon. He's run it so often, you know, how you feel you go through and got your picture taken again. Once he, this guy, you know, once he's passed the girls college, he runs back and goes through it again. He runs back, goes through it again. He just does it for enjoyment. You, you could tell him that hey, let's go run a marathon today, and he'll do it. But he's going to do it for the fun, so he'll stick with us. But uh, me and uh, my the other guy, Clemson, we're just we're pretty much matched. Our paces matched, so I'll be able we'll be able to stick together. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. So, Phil, have you run London before? I have. I um, ran it as as one of the four marathons in those six months that I ran while I was waiting for a transplant. And uh, um, yeah, I, I ran the London Marathon. I ran it as a charity runner because London, it's probably the most difficult to get in by a ballot. So um, my only way was really just going in through a uh, charity. And um, most of the charities are UK-based. So um, I, I knew I had to be very selective with a unique story to get named for a charity team so um so there was a charity uh called tommy's that uh, advocates for uh families who've dealt with you know premature births or still births right and miscarriages right so and i guess we could talk a little bit about you know the amazing friendship i made uh through that charity and stuart mcnaish so who's a mutual friend of ours and i only recently discovered that yeah that was just bizarre just for anybody listening stuart mcnaish was one of the lads that i was over in malaga doing the malaga marathon with in december Um, and it turns out that Stu and phil are acquainted with each other from your time in the uk was no, it, no, or was it was, that, it was actually through the, through the London Marathon. Tommy. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, okay. through the 2019 London Marathon. Yeah, and it was yeah. just a penny, a penny drop moment, I think, for Stu and for me. I'm like, oh, we know the same guy, and he lives in LA, and I met him in Boston, like just coincidentally in a pub, and it was just that whole um, small world running connection community, and you know your guy's sensational story and everything. Like that. It was just a nice moment and, and still is so yeah 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 i'm I, i'm actually I, I'm, I'm still quite close with uh, a number of folks from that tommy's charity team it was a very special team and if you ever yeah. have an opportunity to talk to Stu about it i mean we we formed friendships in the build-up to that marathon and we were uh-huh. quite excited i mean i remember one of our friends uh steph uh from wales I was walking into the expo over at I think it was called Excel, right? Um, so yep. I was walking in, I was walking through the uh, the expo there, and I hear my name, and I look over and I see, you know, this this tall um, uh, this tall man, and it just took a moment. I said, Steph, how are you? So we never met each other physically in person, right? It had only just been through following each other on Strava, so. We connected and yeah, so the, those relationships are still quite, those bonds are still quite strong. Um, I would say there's like four or five from that team who I would say we're still good friends with and we're looking forward to opportunities to running together uh, in the future, including Stu. So, and I'll give credit to Stu uh, that just stalking him on Strava, um, just those amazing uh, ultra runs that he's been doing, it 
it's been a major inspiration to me and it i want to experience the same things that Stu has and you know that's what really motivated me to start exploring you know the trails and the ultra distances and so for 2023 i've kind of like cleared my calendar of all like road races I, I want it to all be about you know the dirty miles we call them here you know the trails um the ultra distances and uh, and things like that so uh and yeah so i just completed my first 100k which was uh just an incredible experience what was that event uh that was the black canyon 100k in arizona so it was uh, 62 miles of rocks and cactus, 15 hours of it. So um, we'll need to anything uh, out, out there to... that could anything dangerous out there, wildlife-wise? No, no, no. Okay, it, it was actually cool. quite a big one. We, I, I think there were over 700 finishers. So, <laughs> so if wow. there's a mountain lion or something, it, it would have been scared out. Rattlesnakes, I'm sure, or rattlesnakes. Yeah, they were all cleared out, and you know, I was, I was definitely, you know very strongly in the middle of that pack so any rattlesnakes that they were they would have gotten a hold of you know several hundred runners ahead of me so um so i, I you know the, the trails were quite cleared by the time i got there yeah so yeah 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 so it, it's all was that it's your all first step the, uh, in, your, your first step in the ultra distance or the hijio no no i've done a couple of 50ks and okay. did a big mountain 50k last year that had that was all at altitude and that was at uh, I, over 6,000 feet of climbing. So that was that was a big one. Now, that one actually was harder than the 100K that I did. So um, yeah, so uh, pretty, uh, it, it, very difficult, very challenging, but there's just nothing more rewarding than being able to finish, you know, a distance that you normally wouldn't even want to drive, right? <laughs> Let alone run. Yeah, so, <laughs> absolutely awesome. And it's, you know, you spoke about that sort of, leaving road behind and moving on to trails for me anyway it's, it's a bit of a different vibe as well it's a bit less um you know st structured and it's a bit more relaxed is it the same yeah 100 percent. yeah, 100%. yeah. so that, and i think that similar for myself I, I think that's what really draws me to it uh, yep. it's it's the ultra community the trail community they're just so welcoming I and mean, you uh, could see it especially at like a big race like boston or even london i mean everybody is just so they're just so serious and they should be because obviously they've worked very hard to you know to get to that start line and it, it just that you know that just that rigid nature of trying to maintain your pace maintain yeah. your splits you know the trail and ultra scene is not like that at all i mean it's very welcoming um you know nobody is really into finishing times it's really just about enjoying each other's company enjoying the experience together and you know the, the best thing i can say remember how like mark was joking about that half marathon and you know taking pride in hey i at least i didn't collapse at the finish right <laughs> and you know when you're running like a road race if someone were to like trip and fall right your natural instinct is to avoid them and get around them right or sometimes even leap over them right? hard, hard them yeah exactly but in a trail and certainly an ultra if someone falls down you'll have two three people stopping to help you up and yeah. that that's actually what happened to me at black canyon when i i actually took a, a bit of a tumble and i was i was on a on a small hill 
and you know i was face down and it was difficult for me to like get myself up so two gentlemen actually reached down and pulled me up back to my feet and you know they they said let's walk together just so that you can you know you know get your senses back and you know uh, maintain your balance so we we chatted for a good five minutes and they just checked to make sure i was okay and i said yeah i'm good so they, they they took off and we carried on. And again, you would never see that at, at a road marathon. So, yeah. So that 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 trail community is very, it's just very endearing and something that I I take great pleasure in, you know, being a part of. Excellent. And then you alluded to something earlier on before we started recording as to what is coming up for you as well this year, um, and it's another step up in distance. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm going to take an attempt at uh, doing the 100 mile distance. And uh, it's not, you know, uh, <laughs> it's not an easy one. It's actually considered one of the most difficult ones in the country. And that's uh, the Leadville 100 in Colorado. And that one, you know, the, the town of Leadville, you know, that that's at 9000 feet. So you're well above altitude <laughs> uh, the entire time. So uh, there's about 10,000 feet of climbing total, and you know I'm hoping to finish under that 30-hour um, deadline. So yeah, so that's that's going to be my my A race for the year. And um, what makes it even more meaningful is that I'm actually going to be running it for the Chris Klug Foundation, which is a charity that advocates for organ donation. So um, you know I have some experience with that. And yep. <laughs> As far as I know, also is that um, there has never been, as far as you know, the research that I've done or the people I've asked, uh, any organ transplant recipient to have completed a hundred mile distance. In fact, I don't even see a record of one completing the hundred k distance. So we're hoping to make a little bit of history, unless someone proves me otherwise. But until then, I'll just kind of claim it as my own if I'm if I'm it's able my to liver. do it. My liver is going it to do is it. your liver. It, yeah, yeah, that's well, why was, we're going to need you there. Yep, exactly. I was thinking that. Yeah, Mark, kind of by default, you're kind of at 100 as well. Come that's on. right. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, yeah, and I think Mark earlier on just found out about this himself and he's, yeah. uh, he's already vowed to, to be along to. I'll be there. Part of the cheer squad. Um, yeah, if you're going to tackle 100 mile, you may as well make it a hard one. Eh? It's, um, yeah. We don't Definitely. do this because it's easy. Is there, <laughs> no. is there an easy 100 mile one? <laughs> Round the track, maybe. No, other. I'm uh, sure people people who so. do 100 mile around the athletics track would say otherwise because it's yeah. all pounding the same muscles for all the time. Yeah, but why, right? <laughs> who wants to see the track? 100 miles. Oh wow. Uh, anyway, Mark, are you not tempted to do an ultra? Yeah. Again, it's that mental thing. Do I love I love trail running? And when Phil said, you know, and it's like when we took me on that trail, they almost killed me on. It was. He's like, yeah, it's you're here to enjoy it. It's not about running, uh, uh, completing it at a certain time. It's just about completing it, and it just doesn't matter how long it takes. You're just there to do it, and then that's very intriguing. That's very intriguing. But right now, yeah, my my head is wrapped around uh getting the second marathon in let's just do two let's get okay, two in there yeah. that's what i'm going to be happy about so. i sense i sense a seed's planted phil so job done the yeah. seed is 
I'll be looking through Ultra Sign Up to see what might be a good 50k for Mark to start up. Yeah. Oh, right, I'm going to move us on to some really important Young Hearts Run Free content now. The question of food's already come up. Pizza and beer did the job for me magnificently. Mm usually after any ultra or marathon that I do, but in particular in Boston. Um, Post-race cravings, what's your go-to? For me? Yeah. Any, after, any, after any long distance run, well, the one thing I need is a Coca-Cola to feel human again. I don't feel human until I get that Coke in me. After that's done, but for a meal, a, a, a Wendy's chicken, spicy chicken sandwich fries and a coke i eat that and i'm good i'm feeling good that's my go-to that's my go-to thank you Mark. pre-race also that's uh, every wednesday that's <laughs> oh what about yourself um you know i just recently discovered this um you know it as you know steven you know especially doing the ultras nutrition is very challenging right when you when you've been on your feet for 10 plus hours, it's very hard to get food in you, right? So uh, and that, that was a challenge I had at Black Canyon. Um, by the time I got to like the 50 mile mark, I, you could have put that Wendy's chicken sandwich in front of me and I would have thought it was the most disgusting thing in the world, right? right? So, um, but post-race, uh, my friend Phoebe, she drove us to uh, a burger stand. Uh, sorry, Mark, I know you're not a, a huge in and out fan but she drove me to uh, hamburgers and i couldn't i still couldn't eat uh, i was not able to eat but what phoebe got me was she got me a chocolate milkshake mm. and it was magic i mean it after i drank that i felt like i could, could have run another 10 miles I, it felt wonderful so i'm definitely gonna put run another that, 38 like, miles yeah sure why not no i don't okay. know about that there you go <laughs> but you i'm just that. saying Chocolate milkshake at 62 miles into lead. Yeah, I'm gonna definitely put that on the uh, on the list, right, for my crew. Okay, make sure we have a chocolate milkshake oh, ready okay. for me, right? So, <laughs> but it it was just something about that milkshake that just woke me up and uh, just really just replenished me in a way that I never would have thought. So, at the spot. So yeah, so for for me that it would be that. But you know, on a normal race like like a marathon or something, yeah, I I would agree with both you and mark anything with high you know high fat content you know deep fried <laughs> that sign me up for sure yeah, you've earned yeah. it the carrot on yeah. a stick as i call it yes um, that part's not a carrot and then just quickly phil in, in terms of your nutrition during your ultra what was your your go-to what was your your favorite preferred um stuff that uh, it would have been it would have been pickles so pickles. uh i actually had some um homemade korean pickles which is basically like a standard pickle but it's fermented with uh uh korean spices so even though you probably shouldn't eat spicy food during an ultra but it really <laughs> hit the spot and obviously you know you you re you, you replenish the sodium that you've lost and it, it was quite cool also so just to bite into something nice and crispy it was it, it, it was really helpful but again by the time i got to mile 50 they just no you couldn't pay me to eat it so yeah yeah okay well i can't pick up korean pickles the finished article roundabout my way so i'm going to get the recipe for for that one from you oh let's run an ultra together i'll make sure you're a comment oh that's that sounds like an <laughs> offer i can't refuse um okay and um oh 
we've, we've touched on loads of tips and words of wisdom already, okay? So I'm going to jump to our local dialect words. The dialect dictionary is something that we at Young Hearts Run Free podcast are proud of. And it is a compilation of local dialect words or unique phrases from where you come from or maybe someplace you visited in the world. So, Mark, have you got something for us? You know what? As, as far as local, I don't. I kind of alluded to this. You know, it's like I was very influenced on my a little bit of time. I lived a couple of years. I lived in London. Uh-huh. So influenced by that dialect and just, you know, seeing you know, uh, you know, a proper cunt. Mm-hmm. You know, is there anything you, you take any cuss word and put proper in front of it. You you almost feel like you're giving someone a compliment, but then insulting. Oh, you proper shite, proper twat. As <laughs> I love that. It's like that's that's. I'll I'll toss that out all the time here, and now people are like. What <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the emphasis emphasizing cuss words with a, a bit of proper in proper, front of it. Proper twat. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that entry. Accepted. Thank you. Dialect <laughs> yeah, this I I thought long and hard about this, and I I would have to definitely go back to when I lived in the UK, right? And I just I just noticed that I would say cheers quite a bit, and I still use that like when someone like going to a restaurant if someone you know, gives me good service or, uh-huh. you know, I want to think, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely say cheers. And it, it, it sounds really pretentious while you live here in the, in the, in the U.S. So why would you say that? But I don't know. To me, there's just, I don't know. There's just a nice, there's a nice inflection to when you use the word cheers. And I, 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 I you know, I, I keep that with me. And I, I think as an American going back to the U.K., if I were to use that, I think it'd look really, I mean, I think it'd look moronic right if you know someone says cheers with a an american accent but yeah i, I definitely like to use it uh fairly frequently when i'm when i'm here cool. the, one I, the one i use daily is knackered ah oh, knackered that's a good one that's a really that, good one that, that 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 there's nothing in the state that touches that really you, you that, just say, i'm so tired i'm really tired i'm very tired no it doesn't knackered oh my god that just fits i'm knackered yeah you ever throw shafted every now and then? Like when someone, someone pissed, yeah. <laughs> when someone did you wrong, I said, oh, God, I was shafted on that. I don't, that's they, a new one for me. I don't know. Shafted as in screwed. Yep. Like, mm. you know, he screwed me over. Yep. Yeah, shafted. I got shafted. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this dialect dictionary is taking a weird avenue because it's all words that I'm very familiar with. <laughs> Yeah, and use daily, <laughs> at least once an hour. It's yeah, you really like the UK just has so many of these weird terms. Snogging, uh, it's <laughs> snogging. I remember when I first got there, I'm like, what, what the snogging? What is that? And then it's I, I forget uh, the word for screwing. What what do you guys use for screwing? It's uh, Phil. What's that? When you get if you, you, you you're, you're screwing over there when you're fucking over in England, it's not snogging, it's it's what's shagging. That? Shagging, yeah, it's like yeah, shagging. It's like which was like <laughs> uh, which I was like, well, you got snogging and shagging. Shagging's a much nicer term 
but it means something a little bit more dirty than snogging. It's like, that's weird. It's like, you guys just flip those around. Oh, man. <laughs> It's, yeah. just, it's a cultural talk that we've rendered it's here. It's brilliant. It's Love awesome. it. That and, you know, the other thing that really flipped me out over there was, you know, it's on, on, the, on the BBC, um, Top the Pops. How ingrained it is. That's a show, not a phrase, bro. No, no, it's a show, though. It's like everybody watches it. It's almost like that time comes and everybody stops what they're doing because it's top. It doesn't matter how old they were or what culture they're from. <laughs> If you're in the UK, you did top of the pops. Oh, man. <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> it's that a neat segue on our next question, our contribution from you for a song into our Young Hearts mm. run for the Le Buff Buff Volume 4 playlist, which is already burgeoning with a lot of bangers. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm actually opening the playlist right now, and it, it actually is. Impressive what you have on here. It's a it's a variety of songs that we have. Some people who say, you know, a playlist needs to kind of flow, you know, and sometimes variety of people contributing to one playlist can make it not flow. I'm like, love it. It just just jumps all over the place. Different genres, different beats. Yeah, this different... definitely doesn't flow. We got Bill and Sebastian with uh, Lizzie <laughs> and uh, Frankie yeah. goes to Hollywood. <laughs> but you'll maybe stumble across something. Do you know an artist or something like that? Oh, I'm unfamiliar with them. That's a good song. I'll take I love you on to next one. I love number one. Born Slippery. Born Slippy. Yeah, Underworld. Oh, Slippy. oh my God, yeah. that's the most amazing song. That You've really already spoken about train spotting. So that's a train spotting link there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, Mark, I know that you've been thinking long and hard about this one. What well, it's, yeah, it's, uh, you know, and I made the assumption I could be wrong, but this is like an, a song that I always just enjoy, you know, uh, if you know when you're tired and you need something to just, you know, excite you, get you going. It's I always, you know, it's like I'm going to my punk here, a little bit of punk, a little dropkick Murphy's go the gauntlet. Look up the you never shared dropkick Murphy's in our text exchange. That's What's that? Dumb. You never shared Dropkick Murphys. In right, you don't deserve it, bro. You don't deserve to hear that song. <laughs> Throwing out that crap you do. You don't deserve <laughs> it. Dropkick Murphys, The Gauntlet. The Gauntlet. It's the second feature of Dropkick Murphys on a, one of our playlists after their um, iconic Boston song, which is obviously oh. the theme tune to the Boston Marathon. So, yeah, Dropkick Murphys getting a good, um, nice little bit of airtime from us yeah. i don't know that song i'm familiar so i should yeah. be listening to it after but it's on the po- it's on don't the playlist listen don't listen to it until you're running okay start Talk running phil what are you sticking on yeah um let's see i promised what, that i would not say weezer because i <laughs> enough shit about it so um but i i will pick up personal song which, which actually has a little story to it uh, it's a song by the by the killers called for reasons unknown and uh this is tied to a very good friend of mine who's currently living with an incurable cancer so his name is joel stetler and he lives here in california and he's also a drummer so uh, joel he has a beautiful family with three kids three young kids 
Uh, and we made this relationship. Mur Murph's had an opportunity to meet him, and Murph will attest what an amazing guy he is. And uh, he used to be a runner. Uh, unfortunately, because of his cancer, he's no longer able to run, uh, but he can still wail on the drums. <laughs> so um, last summer, the Killers were on tour promoting their latest album. And we had seen that the Killers were bringing up members of the audience to come up and play drums on the song for reasons unknown so joel's wife and i conspired to get him to think that hey maybe we can get you up there to play reasons unknown so last august uh, Joel and his wife came down to Los Angeles when the killers were performing here and we got all the way down to the front and Joel had made a sign and on that sign it said I'm fighting cancer but I'm ready to play drums on for reasons unknown and he got pulled up to play drums on for reasons unknown okay and it was absolutely magical and you know, Murph's given me a lot of crap about, you know, the killers, and we won't get into that. But I think even Murph, I think even Murph saw the video. He saw it, and it was like for five minutes, Joel did not have cancer. And I was a complete mess, you know, watching him up there living this lifelong dream of, you know, his to perform, you know, at a big, big, big rock concert. I mean, there were like 35,000 people just screaming and crying because they knew that he even wore a shirt that said uh that said fight cancer on it so to see him do it then I'll, I'll share the link with you of you know his Please performance do. when he got pulled up it was it was magical and since then that that song i've always liked that song a lot but now it obviously just has real special meaning to us awesome yeah well I'll, anytime i hear that song which i also like that's okay Earth. yeah <laughs> <laughs> it'll have extra meaning so yeah you don't need already, his permission both already banged on to Murphy <laughs> oh okay guys you've been super generous with your time thank you so much for oh, um yes, for, for giving up a, a couple of this hours of, of your day um it's it's been great to reconnect with you please keep in touch with with us we'll hopefully we usually get some comments on our Instagram and Twitter and things like that. It's the episode. So if you're on any of those platforms, go on and, and meet some of our listeners. They're a, um, a great bunch. They would sound like they would get on well with the fighting squirrels, for instance. Um, mm. So, yeah, I, I want to thank you for one our chance meeting in, in Boston and your company that evening, like I've already alluded to, um, but also for, yeah, and, and um, providing inspiration for me personally, because, you know, when... You told us your story that evening in Boston. I was like, "This is just wow!" It's like the, the, the you know, you hear these good stories and you you read about them on blogs and things like that. But that just chance sitting next to you in, in the pub and and chewing the fat. Do you know that term? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I think okay. that was ours actually, Stephen. Is, is <laughs> it ours? Exactly. I know. <laughs> <laughs> just chewing the fat. It went long in my memory. Shit. I don't know about chewing the fat. Shooting mm. the shit tune the shit well okay i think it's the same thing so no and it's been like i say your your story is sensational phenomenal i wish you all the best for future endeavors and running and and health and happiness but you know it sounds to me like you've got that in abundance now so no thank you so so much thank you thank you so much cheers